Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. And now, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. We are live on the Charity Stripe Podcast with your hosts, Alex, Josh, and Nick. We're back, baby. It is the Daily Stripe. It's Monday, August 21st, 2023, August flying by. It's game week college football very exciting so you could almost say the weekend winners are us fish Disopolis, dj nikki snacks Kreider was djing this weekend big show for him in palm springs he'll be back for the next show we have this week releasing on thursday college football starts this week uber exciting but we have to get to our weekend winners first toss i'll lay it up for you Number one option, Sugar Sean O'Malley winning the Bantam weight title over Aljamain Sterling very, very early on in the fight at UFC 292 by knockout. Julio Rodriguez and the Seattle, Seattle Mariners have overtaken the Toronto Blue Jays for that third wild card spot heading into late August. Julio at one point on the weekend was 17 of 22. Absolutely on fire. The Mariners have won six in a row. Uh, number three, Ant-Man, Team USA. Ant-Man leading Team USA from a comeback from behind victory over Germany in the FIBA World Cup. It looking absolutely amazing, like the alpha on the team. And Olga Carmona of Spain, in a heartbreaking moment, wins it for Spain in the Women's World Cup and then finds out uh, after that her father passed away um, in a storybook movie-esque moment. Um, very emotional. Uh, but she does it for her country and one of the more wild stories I've heard in a long time. And she was the goal scorer. Yes. She scored the goal. Yeah. She scored the goal, the game winner. Who's your weekend? And it was winner? the and it was the first World Cup that the Spanish uh women's team had ever won. So adds a little bit more to that moment. Um I'm going to I'll eliminate to then choose the winner. I'm gonna eliminate uh Anthony Edwards only because the collective was the men's team and they mm-hmm. almost lost to Germany. They actually were or... losing the entire game. And that's a team that has Franz Wagner, who I watched some of that game. He's a tremendous talent. Um, at times he looked like the second best player on the court mm. between both teams. Um, Ant-Man being number one. And, but outside of France, you know, they have Mo, they have his brother, they have Dennis Schroeder, who's, um, He's been a good international player. Of course, he's been a very solid NBA player as well. Uh, Bonga. They have Bonga. Yeah, he played well. But in comparison to the talent that the United States team has, Mm. um, we are above them from a talent level considerably. And there's just something kind of off about this team. Um, Maybe it's just that some of these guys are young and they haven't been in this stage before. I was really, really impressed by Ant-Man. To me, he is clearly the best player on this team, and it's not even close. Mm. Um, Brunson got yanked at the end. Halberton played at the end. Reeves was playing at the end. Um, Bridges did play really, really well, but ultimately it was Ant-Man making a couple of plays that looked Michael Kobe-esque. Mm. Little, little, little post-fade action, dunking on top of guys. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see where he can take his game slammed over DT. Yeah. I mean, he identifies. Yeah. I should have mentioned that he was on the team. He's obviously a, a a really, really good player. Um, 
he he baptized Daniel Tice. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm excited for Ant Man's future, but I still there's some left to be desired for this USA FIBA team. Um, but he is becoming a a superstar right yes. before our eyes, and I'm excited to see where his career goes. Um, O'Malley, I mean, he's kind of the bantamweight king now. I mean, this is a big deal for him. This is a huge, huge deal for him. Yeah. I mean, to me, it, it's got to be. The winner it, it, for for me it has to be Olga, yeah, Carmona. Sure. But I do want to. You mentioned was it seventeen for twenty two? Julio Rodriguez. I think pretty impressive. I think is it the first time or it, it's the first time in a long time that a guy in four games has had four, uh, four hit games four games in a row. I don't remember the last time someone did that. I think it was like maybe in like the early nineteen thirties. Whenever you have a stat like that, um, where you have to deep in the historical bag just to even see the last time someone pre-world war ii-esque stats very very impressive he started off slow he was one of the guys when we were first talking about you know talking like through the first 30 games first 40 first 50 games of the mlb season eh, he's kind of been a disappointment he has been everything in opposition to what we had talked about earlier in the season you traded for him right in one of your fantasy baseball uh leagues and, and what a great move that was thank you thank and you and most and most importantly like you said they are now in the wild card if the, if the season ended today they'd be in the playoffs so this is what the angels needed to do this is what the padres needed to do neither of those teams have done it but the mariners have done it and i i mean look this is a competitive win the weekend uh, again i'm going to say it goes to olga carmona because you know they play that they play the fever world cup once every four years, but some really tremendous feats from everyone else here. Yeah. I mean, to answer a few of your questions, uh, it was the first time uh, it was the most hits in a four hit uh, four game span, 17 hits in four games for Julio Rodriguez since 1925. And now Aljamain Sterling will probably enact his rematch against Sugar Sean O'Malley, Marie Cejudo on his comeback tour, uh, Peter Yan, but it's all guys really that have, uh, Corey Sanhagen. It's all guys that have really been there before. And now Sugar Sean O'Malley, who's one loss in the UFC came when he, you know, messed up his ankle on a kick. Uh, and he pretty much had to forfeit that fight. Uh, outside of that, he's won every fight he's been. He's knocking guys out left, right, front, and center. And he's been very dominant. And that, that fight against Aljamain Sterling ended, ended rather quickly. So I, it's right now his division to lose. He's very, he's tall for that size. He's long for that size. He's going to be tough to beat. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if he ever goes up a weight class or Volkanovsky tries to go down uh, to fight him. I don't foresee that happening necessarily. I, uh, Sugar Sean would have to go up, but he's definitely belongs to be a champion and he put up a good fight, but I'm with you. Olga Carmona on, on the heels of the Spanish team, the female team winning their first World Cup, the whole story with her father, uh, it's pretty remarkable what happened and, you know, how she handled it afterwards, quite frankly. Very, yeah. like, very, like, obviously emotional, but very, like, you know, so proud still and so happy for her country. It was, it's a crazy mix of emotions to be dealing with. Yeah. Um, one other thing I'm just going to mention about O'Malley. He is, uh, he's very much on his way of becoming the best athlete from the state of Montana ever. Who else would be in competition? I just pulled up, uh, from an article from vault 
which, wow, this article is very old. It's from 2001, so it's it's obviously not the um, most recent athlete or most most recent list, but just worth mentioning. Dave McNally, Dan Mortensen. I mean, we're talking about like guys that I don't I don't even know what sport they play. Um, Phil Jackson's from Montana now. Ryan Leaf. <laughs> Shout out Ryan. Is sure, he from? But he, yeah, but even if he is, from an athletic standpoint, what he actually accomplished on the the court, it's not even the same as what O'Malley has done thus far. No, the talking about was impressive. Of course, just uh, general kind of like sway to sports culture and accolades. Of course, then I, I'm willing to, um, of course, crown Phil Jackson there. But doing it athletically in your sport as a professional seems to be at the top of the list. Uh, someone can check me on that. If they, if they want to, I'm happy to hear what other athletes from Montana are crushing it right now. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's going to be tough sledding. I think sugar show is probably the top dog from Montana, which very impressive to come out of there. Uh, and he, he shaved his eyebrows for $50 on social media. And now he's the bantamweight champ. So it's, it's very remarkable how far he's come. I think he's a good second place here. Yeah. Me, see, senor. I'm still, I'm just, I'm just scrolling through this list just to see if anyone, I missed anyone glaringly obvious. No, I don't think you did. I think Montana, I think as expected, Montana has not produced the top scale athletes in the country. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But, uh, but it's, it's produced probably some uh, very competitive horses in certain races i would imagine maybe mm-hmm. um bobby petrino's from montana wow didn't know that didn't and was didn't know bobby p was uh, a montana boy um speaking of skippers though and guys the, at the helm let's get back to a little pack your bags stick a fork in yourself you're done pack your bags go back to nowheresville I know it's August. Uh, the Yankees are in an eight-game skid. They just got swept by my Red Sox at home. Um, the first two games, we bamboozled them. The second game, uh, IKF was safe. Review, out at home. Justin Turner does it in the top of the ninth, and Kenley Jansen comes in, slams the door on the sweep. The Yankees have lost eight in a row. I think Aaron Boone He's a he he he's a folklore hero uh, in New York for the Bronx. What he did in 03 was pretty remarkable. Um, but I think his time is coming to an end. I think too much has happened. I think Cashman's job, honestly, quite frankly, is also in trouble despite the success he's had uh, in his career in New York, and they just need a facelift. Uh, Bob Melvin of the San Diego Padres, they're done too. I would go as far as to say they are very far back right now. I believe. The Yankees are nine back in the wild card, which your season's over at that point. This point, you know, barring a you know people falling in front of you, which the Rays, the Jays, the Mariners, who are so hot, uh, the Astros, of course, they probably won't, and then the Padres now are six back. Uh, the Mets, who sold everything at the deadline or almost everything at the deadline, are, are just a game behind the Padres. The Padres bought at the deadline. They could have gotten an arm and a leg for Snell and Hayter. That's not going to happen. Bob Melvin, 
AJ Preller, pack your bags. And then obviously I just mentioned the Mets, Buck Showalter. Uh, who was your good luck, Chuck? You had a good luck, Chuck, for something. Uh, was it Terod Taylor? That was your good luck, Chuck, for quarterbacks. I think yeah. Buck, Show- Buck Showalter has got some good luck, Chuck, in him. Uh, and so whoever comes in for the Mets should, uh, by, that, by that standard, have some success in New York. Um, where, where was Buck before this? Let me look at Buck's career. Well, he's obviously I, he's, he been was, in, he's been in Baltimore. Yeah, but he was, I believe Buck was the manager, and I'm, I'm double checking my timeline here. Buck was the manager for the Yankees right before the dynasty. Yes. So as a manager, he was the manager for the Yankees from '92 to '95. Right. Right after they go on the tear, he was the manager for the Diamondbacks from '98 to 2000. They win the World Series the next year. Then he was the manager for the Rangers from 03 to 06. Yeah. We're talking about we're talking about some and then he was prolonged. in Baltimore. We're we're talking about some like prolonged timing outside of the Diamondbacks of at least for the Rangers and the Orioles of, of a substantial amount of time before these teams kind of make some noise after he leaves. Well, Buck and Buck Shawalter leaves in 95. The Yankees win in 96. Like he to me, yeah, but the Rangers, the Rangers and the Orioles is like not it took four. It took six years for the Rangers to get to the to win the pennant. <laughs> Dude, he, it's a, it, the Diamondbacks now, won the World Series the next we're year. Now, we're five years removed from him being the manager of the Orioles. So the I Orioles fine. Like I'll I'll the Rangers and the Orioles. It's not it's I, I think the comp. I think it loses its its steam after the first two legs of his career. It's pretty legit though. There's got to be someone. There's got to be someone that's more of the more on the nose. I feel like good luck, Chuck. I think maybe in the I last two legs. I think he started it. I think he started it, but he didn't. He flopped with with the Rangers and the Orioles. The fact that what has the record for the Orioles been the last three years? This Not has been good. a, mass, a, a massive, a massive turn, here. but it's been five years since he's left Baltimore. It was five years after he left the Rangers. Maybe that's his new pattern. I think. You're, I think five I years. Think now I'm grasping for straws. You very I'll tell you that. For straws. Yeah. But absolutely not with the Yankees and the Diamondbacks. They won the following season. Winning the following season is ultimate good luck, Chuck territory. Yeah. He just, that doesn't get more good luck, Chuck, than that. No, no, that's pretty much it. I, I have to imagine that there's someone else out there who's got, maybe it's not two of the next years, but like every situation they were in, they teed someone up for success. Um, that That is the the Yankees, and, the, and not only winning the next year, but starting a dynasty and the Diamondbacks being good, um, you know, for the next five years after that, right? Maybe even mm-hmm. a little bit longer than that. And of course, winning that next World Series. Yeah, I mean, like the Mets and the Padres, took a similar shot to what the Rangers did by bringing Bruce Bochy in um, going for managers that have good pedigree in regards to the league and how we look at these managers. Um, Whether you think Buck Showalter is a good manager or not, he has been around for a long time. He has seen a lot of different clubs. He has seen a lot of different roster um, compositions. So you would expect that with that, veteran knowledge he would he would be able to succeed with the roster like he had in new york this year um but clearly those two guys were not the right pick do you think that some of that has to do with like are they over the hill in a certain respect like were they not able to 
finagle things or is it because of the the overbearing um guys above them who are making the wrong moves and kind of didn't put all of the right ingredients together um i think the manager in baseball versus like the head coach in basketball and versus the head coach obviously in football have less of an impact than in comparison to the general manager like the head coach in football and the general manager in football and the president or whatever, they pretty much work lockstep together, right? Like they're working hand in hand and guys that they're drafting guys that they're signing, everything has to fit the scheme. Everything has to fit with the coordinators. It's very more lockstep. And the head coach is the most important guy in the football team. Basketball. I would say it's pretty a, a step behind, but in that same vein, general manager in baseball. And obviously the manager is involved in a lot of decisions, I'm sure, or, or, kept a you know kept abreast in a lot of the decisions but i do feel that the general manager in, in baseball is a lot more important than the general manager uh and epler in, in, in new york uh preller in, in san diego and cashman should answer before boone bob melvin buck showalter though those the managers are typically the scapegoats uh, but buck is with Edwin Diaz being out, his bullpen was turned to crap. You know what I'm saying? He also they also signed Verlander, but he didn't have them for the first two years. It's not his fault. You know they, they the Mets have not made a, a bevy of right moves. Realistically, the and you could date that back to sign not signing Zach Wheeler. You know, and they let them go to a division rival. That's ridiculous. Um, but I would say the general managers should answer uh, to you know the disastrous seasons that these three teams have had because you can group the Yankees now with the Mets and the pods and obviously the Cardinals uh, of of four teams we thought would be very good and playoff competitive teams and the seasons have taken an absolute turn for the worst and there's certain things like Aaron Boone can't help that their prize free agent signing Carlos Rodon was hurt he can't help that Aaron Judge was hurt Uh, you know it's a lot of stuff that you don't you don't have no control over Right. Um, but you ultimately are the scapegoat for those moves. Uh, yeah, I, just, I, I do want to mention, though, that the Texas Rangers are have won 72 games this season. They won 68 last year. And a lot of that has to do with the manager. It's some sure. of it has to do with the general manager, because obviously this is the second year of Chris Young's tenure. And the guys that he went out and, and got last year or two years ago in free agency with Simeon Seeger. Um, have been really, really good this year. They've been tremendous, but Seager hasn't played a full season. He played a full season, last but he got Evaldi though. The get it, the, the the addition of Evaldi was massive. Sure, I I just think that like the team won sixty eight games last season, playing one hundred and sixty two games. Yeah, no, I it's mean it's too dramatic of a difference for it just to be acquisitions. I'm not saying it's just acquisitions. I'm saying the acquisitions ultimately though, it, it, they give you the they. You could only do as as well as your hand that you're dealt. You know what I'm saying? Like if you're dealt a hand, like there's nothing Boone can do with the injuries. There's nothing Buck Showalter can do because his closer for his nine figure closer gets in a freak injury. Like he's sure. out for the I mean, whole the year. Closer, yeah, but that's that's something that he's known he's had to been dealing with since before the season started. Yeah, I mean it's 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 all make like ad- make adjustments. That's your job. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I mean, obviously Bruce Bochy has done a, a Valdi got hurt this season too. Like guys get hurt. That's that's the nature of baseball. And you yes, have to be, but they, you have but, to they be but they, but they, but inversely they replenish though. Like they got Scherzer's been 
unbelievably effect outside of yesterday has been unbelievably effective for the Rangers. Montgomery is honestly could you, he could be the pickup of the deadline. So with Chris Young, obviously Bucci, well, obviously with Bruce Bochy, he could be the missing ingredient for sure to get them over the hill. But what Chris Young has done in these two years has been pretty remarkable from yeah, an acquisition I, my, standpoint. My takeaway is that it depends on the manager. Because if your manager is good, then they make a massive difference. The manager does. I'm not saying the manager makes no difference. I just don't think it makes as much of a difference as the head coach in basketball and the head coach in the NFL. I'm say. with it. Cool. Um, all right. Last two segments. Save that money. Here comes the money. Here we go. I'm going to throw some bets at your way for national champion and for Heisman. All right. Georgia plus to on betonline.ag go to betonline.ag today use the promo code believe get 50% off your welcome bonus plus 220 to repeat for three peat uh bama's plus 600 ohio state's plus 700 michigan's plus 850 lsu plus 1200 usc plus 1600 as is clemson florida state uh is plus 2500 uh as is as are our longhorns and penn state is plus 2000 do you want to hear any other teams or do you want to give me your best bet from that um, what is, just let me know what Notre Dame is. Notre Dame is plus 3000. Got it. And Washington mm. plus 4,000. Okay. Remind me again what George is plus 220. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to take that bet. <laughs> The odds are not nearly favorable enough for me to spend money on that bet, not knowing what this Georgia football team will look like with a quarterback who have I I have not seen play college football yet, mm. um, and they very well could win, and we wouldn't be that surprised if they won. But I'm not spending you know I'm throwing 100 bucks down just to win 220 bucks. No, no, thank you. Right? Like correct. Yeah. Um. You know, Michigan's a really interesting one to me. And I know that we have the hardball suspension looming. Um, but if they take care of business once he gets back, there's been a lot of preseason hype around Blake Corum being a potential Heisman winner. Um, I think that if there's any sort of fatigue involved, that that makes his case even better, right? Fatigue with Caleb Williams, who won I last year. I believe the NCAA backed off the suspension, though, so he's there. Okay, so he, so the, he's not even missing. To, I, I don't even know how much of a difference that would have made to the first four games of the season anyway. Sure. So you like Michigan plus 850. It's an interesting bet. I mean, they have their quarterback returning. He is one of the best QBs in college football. Um, if I may say, I, I as far as the favorites go, I like them. But your toss out of Washington is pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean, if, if you want to look at like a, a, a dark horse, a, a true flyer. If they could escape, if they could escape USC this season, I think they're a really interesting bet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I buy Michigan's odds are probably a little bit higher than they would be. Um, you know, in the previous two years, I'd have to go mm-hmm. back and double check, but they beat Ohio State two years in a row. Ohio State has a a quarterback battle going on, and from what we've listened to from Jim DiCecco and Bryant Browning, 
and all of the other, you know, media that's out there is that it's, it's still a toss up and no one is dominating in that room and making themselves be the clear cut choice. This feels like a time where a Michigan to win it all bet um, would make a, a lot of sense. But what I'm maybe not thinking about and considering, and I probably should be is that once they get there, do we believe that they can go all the way? That was my thing. I'm like, they've flopped two years in a row. They haven't even gotten to the championship game yet. So plus eight fifty is nice, but if I'm going to throw a hundred bucks down and take an absolute crazy flyer, Washington's pretty interesting. Utah plus six, plus 6,000, Oregon, one of these Pac-12 teams that could skate by USC and go on a crazy run like TCU did last year. I'm willing to take that risk almost. Yeah, I'm Florida State and Texas. I feel kind of similarly about Michigan, like, and even less so for those two teams. Like, can they get there and like prove themselves? And I know Florida State, the Jameis, and they've won before, but like, it's been a while. It's been a while. It's a new regime, completely different players. Like, let them get there and like show that they belong um, before we start saying that they're kind of the dark horse to. To win I don't – yeah, I, I need to see – like James Franklin hasn't even come that close to getting there yet, and he's been at Penn State for a hot minute. I'm not running I'm not running with him either. Um, but Clemson, does Clemson intrigue you? Yeah, because the ACC is easy. And they're going to they, – they tool well. They have good players. Yeah. Uh, K. Nick's going to be a good quarterback. Nick really likes him. Jeremiah Trotter Jr., he's a massive linebacker. Uh, obviously Trotter's son, uh, you know, senior, who's a great linebacker in the NFL. He's going to be great this year. So the Clemson has a lot of talent. And then I think we kind of go to the Heisman right here. Uh, Caleb Williams plus 500 to repeat. Uh, no one's done it since Archie Griffin in the seventies out of Ohio state. Jaden Daniels plus a thousand, our boy Quinn Ewers and Jordan Travis out of FSU plus 1200. The aforementioned Kate Klub- Kate Klubnik plus 1400 from Clemson, Drake may, uh, UNC, Sam Hartman, Notre Dame quarterback now. Uh, Michael Penix Jr. from Washington. J.J. McCarthy from Michigan. Bo Nix from Oregon, all plus 1,800. Uh, Carson Beck, QB1 officially for Georgia, plus 2,000. Marvin Harrison Jr., plus 3,000. And then you have Milton from Tennessee, plus 2,500. Those are the real interesting ones to me. And then Blake Corum, plus 5,000 for the running backs. Anybody else you want to hear or – is that good? Um, I think that's fine for me so far. Um, I mean, I'm I'm interested in in going bang for your buck here on the two position players in Marvin Harrison and Blake Corum. Like, if you think that those teams are going to to be there, the last four going to the college football playoff, they will presumably be the two best players on their teams and if they stay healthy and they put up similar numbers to what they did last year and there's no clear cut quarterback that kind of takes the next step and is rivaling Caleb Williams, but Caleb misses two games or something like that, or they don't win the pack. Um, I like, I like the value of those two guys of Corum and Marvin Harrison. Mm, I kind of like it. If we're talking just absolute, I think I, I, first, I think Caleb Williams to repeat at plus 500 is value. Yeah, I really do. Yeah. And I'm seeing it at plus 600 on, on certain books. Um, and I think it's very doable and I think it's the most likely outcome as, as the odds indicate. 
would you say this is a for an SEC team? Would you say this is a pretty good start to the schedule? Home versus Virginia, home versus Austin PV at Florida, home versus UTSA, who's going to be sneaky good. Uh, we saw them last year. Home versus South Carolina and home versus A and M. Those are the first six games. Five home games, one game at the Swamp. Would you say that's an easier yeah, I, schedule? I'd to say start? it's an easier schedule. Yeah. That is Tennessee's schedule to start. Joe Milton, once he got the reins after Hendon Hooker tore his ACL last year, 10 touchdowns, no interceptions. Now he loses Jalen Hyatt and Cedric Tillman to the NFL. Um, but he still has got Bree McCoy, former Longhorn Trojan, and a million other teams. Uh, he still has him over there at wide receiver. Um, at plus 2,500, if I'm going to take an absolute flyer pick, I, I think that pick to me is very is very enticing. Yeah, I mean, remind me what Drake May's odds were. Plus 1,800. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't mind a flyer on him either. When you're no. talking about where these guys are going to get drafted next year, mm. I mean, he's – He's number two, right behind Caleb, in my opinion, going into um, this season. And so if he does everything right, I could kind of see that hype being built behind him, continuing and rolling into the draft. Um, And he's the type of guy that can, you know, win nine games and win the Heisman, right? The expectation from him and its connectedness to winning, I think is lesser than some of these other guys. Maybe, maybe similar to a guy like Penix, right? or Bo Nix, like those two guys, like they need to win. Actually, I don't even know. They need to win for them to be considered for the Heisman. I don't dude, think he could go to the, he could go to the dude. I think I might bet may. I didn't realize how good of a runner he was. I forgot. I forgot. He ran for 700 yards last year and seven touchdowns. He threw for, he threw for 38 touchdowns and seven picks. He's going to have a tougher time because their schedule is more of a cupcake. Like they do their schedule is easy. They are home versus South Carolina, home versus App State, home versus Minnesota, at Pitt, home versus Q's, home versus Miami, home versus Virginia, at Georgia Tech, home versus Campbell, home versus Duke, and then they close out at Clemson, at NC State. Outside of at Clemson, which is would be his Heisman moment game, schedule is a joke, dude. That schedule is a joke. He should light it up, and quite honestly, like – it's going to put him in prime position to steal the number one pick from Caleb Williams because the schedule is so easy. And he's a good quarterback. Like in his the stats that I just listed off prove it. And clearly he's a, he's a lot more mobile than people give him credit for. But UNC could have a shot at the playoffs. And he that would t- lead to his Heisman Trophy candidacy and ultimately like a shot to dethrone Caleb Williams as the presumed number one pick, which as good as Drake may, may, may be, I think that would be a mistake. Well, one thing that I I agree with that completely. Um, you got to take Caleb, whoever that team is. One thing that I always pay attention to and, and like bringing up for Heisman is you really have to have a pretty much perfect season. And which of these guys, I think to me in my head, that's what holds me back from making a bet on a guy like Quinn because I haven't seen him play yeah. with the level of consistency that is needed to win the Heisman, mm-hmm. right? That's why there's more of a gamble when you're talking about a guy like Marvin Harrison, because if there is this QB battle, I I am pretty much, you know, sleeping soundly on the fact that he's going to get open no matter who's across from him. And as long as they can get the ball near him, he will make incredible plays 
and be posting, you know, 120 plus yards average game in game out. And then the touchdown, num- but the touchdown numbers, you don't necessarily know, right. Until it all plays out. Um, Cause they have to throw him the ball. They have to throw him the ball in the red zone. They have to throw him the deep ball. Quorum is going to get fed the rock. He's going to get fed the rock left, right, front and center. Yeah. But, but there are a lot of these QBs that I just don't, that I believe could have two bad games or one bad game where their team loses. Right. And then we kind of zero in on those type of games. Like LSU is LSU and, and they're in the SEC. They play some pretty tough games. Like Jaden Daniels can probably have one bad game, but they should probably still win that game if he has a bad game. You know, and you're mm-hmm. talking about the rushing stats from Drake May. Go look at Jaden Daniels' rushing stats from last year. What that guy does on the ground is really, really impressive. Um, but I just, I look at the rest of these guys, like like Quinn and Cade and McCarthy, like there will be games where Corum wins them a game, not McCarthy. Yeah, right? absolutely. Where McCarthy has 170 yards and two touchdowns. It's like, I'm that's not a Heisman game. No. Especially no. if you only beat like Iowa by... 10 points or a touchdown. Like well, that's the, not the issue with may is he was great at the beginning of the year and not, and him and the Tar Heels lost their last four to Georgia tech to Clemson. They lost their bowl game against Oregon who Bo Nix. He may have a little sour taste and people may have a sour taste in their mouths from his kind of flop at Auburn, but I think he's matured as a quarterback. Drake may ultimately would have to really dominate to win the Heisman for me in this ACC. But I do trust him more than these guys that you're listing. Like, I don't know if I'm picking McCarthy to win the Heisman. I don't know if I'm picking Quinn to win the Heisman. Like, I hope he's, he's excellent. But even if he is excellent, like, you know, he's got a lot of weapons. His schedule is not that, not that difficult either. Uh, and there were games where he completely threw us out of games. We lost games because of him, let alone one, one game is because of him. So, Wins are going to be very important. What you do late in the season is going to be very important. And I think a guy like the reason, another reason why I like looking at USC schedule, their schedule is pretty easy to start. Like they are going to start six and zero, but then they go to Notre Dame and then they have games against Washington, Utah, Oregon, UCLA. Who else am I missing? No, that's it. Yeah. So those are five tough games to close their season out. So Caleb Williams will a build up the stats and the momentum, presumably in the first six. And then when he gets to his difficult games, like he'll already have that Heisman hype again to repeat, which will be a really fun narrative. And, and I think that they should, you know, again, I think Notre Dame's going to be competitive with Sam Hartman, but in, in a boat race, I still take USC, which it could easily turn into, which it was last year. Um, and I still take USC pretty much, pretty confidently over Washington and Oregon. The only team I really have a tough time with is Utah because they can't get over them. It's like the monkey on their back. They can't shake, but I know quarterback they had last year. So yeah, all those guys returned quarterbacks and Sam Hartman's a grad transfer for Notre Dame. Uh, Penix to Washington, Bo Nix, obviously we mentioned is for Oregon. So should be, should be interesting, but I, I, I I like the, I am not afraid that he's no one's repeated since Archie Griffin. I like that bet. I really do. At plus 500 plus 600. If you can get, Caleb Williams, good odds. Yeah. Uh, well, one thing, you know, we're about to close out the show, but just we're talking about college football. We have to bring this up. You gotta be kidding me. You're kidding me. You're kidding me. Are you kidding me? This guy, are you kidding me? Kidding me. Are you kidding me or what? You've gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. You've gotta be kidding me. Oh, 
gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. Uh, to the Demarvion Overshawn injury, taking him out for his Horrible. what would be rookie season, where he was really competitive in camp, and um, unfortunate for the for the Cowboys once again to to lose an edge rusher, linebacker type guy um, as a rookie early in their career. Same thing happened with Jabril, Jabril Cox, who's on the roster as well, who's just now working himself back from injury. Um, this is his third year in the NFL, and hopefully it's not the same amount of time before Overshawn is back on the field. But again, you know, obviously he's a Longhorn, so heavy hearts for us in that respect. But he's the type of guy that was, you know, at camp saying, I'm, I'm going to win this job. And whether he was or whether he wasn't, like he's a fiery competitor. We've, we had the chance to talk to him on our Horns Up podcast. So just thinking about him and, and hoping he uh, has a speedy recovery, but it's, it's a really unfortunate injury. Yeah, and he, there was – I mean, we saw photos of him, like, leading huddles, and, like, he's just a vocal leader, and he was such a presence at Texas, and he was – He had already made himself known in the preseason game, too. Yeah. It's a really tough one, like, because that's a – it's not – it's a he's a third-round pick. Like, those are those guys matter. Like, that's where you win. Like, you win – everyone's like, oh, who's a first-round pick? No, you win in rounds two through four. Like, that's where you have to get starters. Like, the Cowboys wanted him to. Like, Leighton Van Esch has been good, but he's starting to tail off a little bit. Like, the Cowboys definitely had him in their play a little bit. I mean, he he's fine. I mean, he's still, like, our number one linebacker, right? But like, but he's not what we thought he was going to be when he was younger. Sure, dealt, dealt with a lot of injury himself, he, right? He got, he, he's been hurt, yeah. So, I, I think on and off. So, I think bringing in Overshawn, a super athletic, you know, Texas guy through and through. Uh, a leader for this Longhorns team, you know, in the state. It's a really, really very sad. But I, the best, the best thing I could say is, at least it's so early in this season. Like we saw Travis Etienne, you know, same thing for the Jags. So Dante Fowler also for the Jags a couple of years ago. Rookies tearing their ACL, but hope and Brees Hall even last year. So hopefully he'll be back early next year um, and, and playing again. But that's. It's like the worst. The ACL tear is always the worst headline to read. Yeah, yeah. It's you just know that you're missing a year of your career. And yeah. like he's the type of guy though that I think he'll have a good disposition about it, and I think he's going to work really hard to get back on the field. So I'm I'm excited to see him. Uh, you know, wearing wearing the star next year for the Cowboys. But yeah, we never we never like to hear that, obviously, from anybody. I mean, especially from a guy that went to our university and we've covered and followed for years. Um, all right, Fisher to Sopless. Uh, you'll see Snacks Crider next time. Uh, hit your free throws because they're free. We out you. We love you. Happy kickoff week. Hook em.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.